As you may have noticed, the Covert Narcissism podcast has a new look. Well, kind of a new sound. You know, it's better sound, a studio recording. I'm sitting in front of a mic and lights and, and a camera. And, and my producer came to me and, okay, yes, those words actually just came out of my mouth. I have a producer. What? I've never had a producer in my life. This is crazy. But he came to me and he said, hey, you should charge for a second episode each week, you know, to help cover these costs, like a, a bonus episode, a patron program. And I went, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not in my heart to charge for these episodes. So I told him, I said, look, we just, we got to find a different way. So instead of charging for a second episode, we're going to open up donations. So if you are finding value in this and you can contribute to our cause, please join us. And as you do, I want to reward you. I, I want to thank you for your, your commitment, for this monthly donation, uh, whatever you're comfortable with. It can be small. That's fine. Whatever you can do for whatever length of time, there's no obligation here. But I want to include you in this mission. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm working on a book. And the title of the book is still in the works, but the title I'm liking right now is Grasping Covert Narcissism, subtitled Catching a Ghost. And if you can donate to our cause, I'm going to send you the first chapter of this book. I want you to read it. I want you to rip it apart and give me some feedback. To donate, just go to the top of the link at the show notes. It's nice and easy, and it's greatly appreciated. You all are a part of my journey, so please join me if you can. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. I remember trying to like just get away from them, and for the first time, he, he held a door so, so that I couldn't shut the bedroom door. I was trying to get into the guest room just to stay there, and he blocked the door and held it. He was talking to me a lot about how he didn't want to lose me. And he'll do anything to keep me. And there was just, he was crying so much that I couldn't take it. And that's my weakness. He's upset. Like that seemed to matter more than if I was upset. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. Today, I have a guest with us. Uh, her name is Jean. And Jean, I just want to thank you so much for being here with us today and for sharing your story with this audience. Thank you for having me. So let's get started. Um, give us a picture of your marriage before COVID happened, of kind of maybe how long you've been married and what kind of, kind of the emotional state that you were in or how you thought or your perspective maybe of the marriage at that point. At that point, um, I had been married, this was 2019, I was married about 14 years, and I had been working with a therapist for a long time, and it took a long time for us to get to the point where I realized that this wasn't my fault. Um, that's what the therapist was helping me to realize, and we decided to sell the house, and in the process of selling the house, I remember having a nightmare that our house was surrounded by water and I couldn't get out. And that was like, um, it, it was a crucial point where I had to decide, am I going to leave the marriage or are we going to move to an apartment and then decide what to do from there? So anyway, what I ended up doing is I kind of bought into his, I'm going to change. I'm going to make things better. So I moved to the apartment 
And um, we were in the apartment for about nine months and then COVID hit. Oh, wow. Okay. So this was before COVID. So you were already working with a therapist. You were already questioning things. I was already questioning things. And the therapist was encouraging me to get out of the marriage at that point. It was a good time. We decided to downsize our house because it was too big. Mm-hmm. So it was like the perfect time because everything could be split up easily. Um, but then I decided, you know, I, I believed that he was going to change. So I, we got this apartment and we lived in the apartment during COVID and it just became like, it feels like the darkest point in my life other than living with my parents as a child. It okay. just felt very similar because I was trapped. There was like nowhere to go. Like my business shut down for three months as a lot of businesses did. Um, You couldn't socialize. So it was like, I had nothing to distract me from the pain of the marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Ooh, like I kind of tear up just thinking about it because it was like, I don't know. You feel sort of like, I felt like a prisoner and I couldn't really talk to anyone about it, but my therapist, because the pain was all these little things, um, which became a little bit bigger during, during COVID. But um, I felt like I couldn't really share it with anyone because they would think, Oh, that's nothing. Or, you know, why are you getting so upset about that? Uh, And there were just more and more things to feel upset about. Um, because like I would give an opinion on something on the news and he called me anti-American if I thought another country was handling it well. Um, and, and I remember just at that point, I was like really starting to realize, wow, this is not me because that's insane. Like mm-hmm. I am like, not like that at all. Like <laughs> I would not, I don't judge, you know what I mean? And I, right. Right. I'm just not like that. So he was putting his opinions of, of, you know, of whatever, but he was putting his opinions onto you. Yes. And he was upset because I didn't believe what he believed and I wasn't, you know, agreeing with everything that he thought. Um, And he just became angrier and angrier um, because of everything that was happening in the world gave him more reason to be angry. Mm -hmm. Um, so the anger amplified within the house, um, because he just had more reasons. And I just remember like, um, I remember trying to like, just get away from him. And for the first time he, he held a door. So, so that I couldn't shut the bedroom door. I was trying to get into the guest room just to stay there. And he blocked the door and held it. And I was like, wow, this, this is just something really wrong here because that's like, um, imposing on my right to have my right. space right. and safety. So you yeah. had never seen any sign of that before? No, not not physically blocking a door. And he had been just all those little things that you talk about, those tiny paper cuts, of the invalidation, and um, the just not like a like disagreeing with whatever you say. So you just feel like anything that comes out of your mouth is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So 
Yeah, that, it's a yeah. constant, constant invalidation. So before COVID, did he have any idea that you were thinking about leaving the marriage? Yeah. Um, yeah, because before we sold our house, okay. he was talking to me a lot about how he didn't want to lose me and he'll do anything to keep me. And there was just, he was crying so much that I couldn't take it. And that's my weakness is I look out for like, if he's upset, like that seemed to matter more than if I was upset. Like I can't stand seeing somebody like in so much pain. If I could just say, okay, I'll stay and everything's good. So yeah. Yeah, that's the fix it mode. That's when people talk about what's fawning, the the fight or flight, freeze or fawn. That fawning is when we instantly go into taking care of their feelings and doing whatever we need to do to take care of their feelings at the sacrifice of our own. Yeah, yeah. And I felt so, so because I did that, I stayed and I went to the apartment. It was like, oh, I really felt the impact of saying yes to someone else because of their pain. And then how much pain I ended up in was like even more during that time. And like, there was nothing else to do but to look at it, right? Mm -hmm. To look at the pain, to feel the pain. Oh, it was uncomfortable. And I, I really saw things I hadn't realized before. Okay. And well, it brings everything to the forefront when you don't have the distractions. Yeah. You mentioned distractions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like at work, I could engage with nice, friendly people. So it was like, it kind of uplifted me, but I didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So after COVID, um, where, where did things go next for you guys? Um. I still, I still am working on not getting pulled in. Okay. Like it's, it's kind of embarrassing to me at this point that I still get pulled in, but I do. Yeah. And, um, can I say you're not alone in this? And this is something that I do want people to hear. Okay. It is very easy to be on that yo-yo of, are they going to change? Are they going to get better? Are we, you know, that that yo-yo back and forth because we so badly want to believe that they're going to be better and that the marriage would be okay. Yeah. So our lease ran out on the apartment and I bought a condo with him because he convinced me again that this was going to be a fresh start and everything was going to be great. Um, he was going to change because he knows how much he hurts me and he knows how much he really needs to change and treat me better and respect me. And he would keep saying, I want to be better. I want to be better. And um, he still does that Okay, a lot. Um, okay. Yeah. So looking back from where you are now, looking back to where he committed to make some of those changes back before COVID, has anything changed? Um. I think he can act nice longer. Like he can be on his best behavior longer until something impacts him. Um, I think he knows that my drive to leave is stronger because he'll maintain himself longer, like be on the best behavior. And um it used to be he could only behave for like two weeks, but it, it can go on longer. Okay. Like I had an incense 
like this was about a year ago that I wasn't as like firm in my need to be treated respectfully. And I had like an incense lit and he came downstairs and he was screaming and he's all upset. He's like, what is that smell? Um, and, and just like all those, um, those reactions, those strong reactions, he keeps them kind of under the radar now. They're not appearing as often okay. is what I'm noticing. Um, okay. But as soon as we like get on the highway and there's another car there, he kind of explodes. And then he looks at me because he knows that, that that's been one of my problems is like driving with him in the road rage is really hard to deal with um, mm -hmm. because I just want to like, like relax. I don't want to be stressed in the car. Mm -hmm. And so he looked at me and immediately he knew that he shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so he's got more awareness to keep it down, but I don't think he's dealing with the root of the pro of the anger, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, on some, you know, we talk about the roller coaster of the ups and downs of these marriages, you know, the love bombing to the to the anger and the, the either the silent wrath or the explosive anger. And uh, for some, when they pull away in the marriage or pull away in the relationship, that roller coaster can get faster, like it's going up and down now on a daily basis. For you, you're saying the opposite, that he realized, okay, I, I mean it, I can't take this anymore. And so instead, the roller coaster has become slower, where further, uh, the, the good behavior is lasting longer, as opposed to the opposite of that. Yes, but for the first year of me talking to him about being needed to be treated respectfully, the roller coaster sped up. And I was okay. on like this fast, fast ride. So initially when I changed, it was that up and down. And I'm like, holy cow, like it's just going so much faster that it was painful. Yeah. 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 Well, it helps you to get your eyes open. Now that the roller coaster has slowed down, uh, does that have, what's the effect that that has on you? Um, it's less stressful. Because I'm not getting his explosions, but at the same time, I'm realizing it's not a fulfilling relationship because if I want to share my growth or something uh, that's happening for me, um, I'll share it with him and he'll immediately start talking about, well, this is what's going on for me or this, this was what happened to me and kind of relate it that way. It, it becomes about him instead of oh, I just wanted somebody to sit with like what I'm doing, you know, what's going on for me right now. I just wanted like a little bit of validation, a little bit of, oh, you know, even like you don't get, you talked about this, you don't get the head nods and you don't get the, <laughs> yeah. yep. you know, sometimes like I talk and there's complete silence. Yeah. And it's, it's like, like talking to a nothing. void. It's, it is like talking to a void. Yeah. 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 So I just feel like I need, like even if there isn't the roller coaster, the fast roller coaster and the intense reactions as often, I feel like I need a relationship where there's like mutual sharing and caring and validating and, and understanding. And I don't think he can 
do that because I don't think he's going to do the deep work necessary to be able to bring that to a relationship. So that's scary. That's scary, like to admit that because I, yeah, because denial is like easier in a way because you're just thinking like it's going to magically be better. And, but then it just never feels right with him. You know, it just never feels fulfilling. Yeah. Denial is one of the stages of grief. And so honestly, you know, I realized in my own marriage, I was living in grief and didn't even know it because I was living in denial. So I was already had already entered into the stages of grief, just convincing myself that things were okay in the marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's a way just to feel better when you're going through so much grief. Yeah. Yes. So when the roller coaster spreads out like that and you've got longer periods of okay behavior or at least neutral behavior, um, does that make it harder uh, to to really truly recognize what's going on? Does it does it con- confuse the situation and not um, or it allows you to get hooked back in a little easier? It does. And that's what I'm noticing lately is like, my heart is, is a bit hooked into like, oh, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I was overreacting. And that's where I start to turn it back on me and think that, um, like not trust my own feelings about it. Right. Yeah. Because I'm like, it's, it would be a dream if I didn't have to end my marriage, you know? Right. Right. No, nobody wants to go down that path. And so when people are, you know, meet with me and they're saying, you know, that's just not the path I want to take. I understand that. And and if you can get to a point where this can be a fulfilling marriage, great. Um, but but that's part of why I ask is when you look back now before COVID and then being through COVID, did anything ever actually change? And so that's one of those questions. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it hasn't. It hasn't because yeah. the same the same attitudes and the same anger is is underneath everything. Like I can feel it mm-hmm. um, with him. Yeah. Like okay. yeah. Like I don't think it's just gonna go away. It it never just magically goes away. Yeah. The anger gets more covered, it gets more protected, or it gets more explosive. Like it's you mm-hmm. get all kinds of different, you know, the roller coaster gets faster and we get more explosive when it spreads out, like what you're talking about. Uh it gets more passive. And so it's this underlying like silent wrath, and that's what you're feeling, but it's so passive that it can then cause you to go, Well, maybe I'm not seeing this right. Maybe I'm and so a lot of more self-doubt can definitely come in when that roller coaster spreads out like that. Well, that's the thing about it, is it's really um confusing because he seems like a great guy, you know. He works, he he goes to work, he helps around the house, does the dishes, does the laundry, helps me with my work laundry. Mm-hmm. It's like it looks great, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. but then he spends all his time invalidating you and yeah, telling you that you're wrong, and that's painful that that is painful, and I don't even like sometimes I don't even think he he realizes it, and I start to spend a lot of try time getting him to realize that he's not responding to me. 
Mm-hmm. And he's like, when, when exactly didn't I answer you? <laughs> right, right. Which doesn't work either. <laughs> no, yeah. no, because I like, I don't want to have to like figure out an example. It's like, I want you just to take my word for it. You didn't answer me. Like, mm-hmm. And spend yeah. some time self-reflecting, which they do not do. So That's the missing piece. Mm-hmm. It, it, if you can't, if he can't self-reflect, I'm spending all my time trying to get him to understand how he's behaving. Right. Um, yeah. And that's a, an awful lot of energy. Like, And it does feel like I'm doing both sides of the relationship. Well, you are. Oh. Yeah. For the emotional, at least the emotional piece of it. Um, you know, you are doing the work for both. And when they hook you back in, they hook us back in because we really want the relationship to work. And so we dig back in to do the work for both again until we reach that level of exhaustion again and go, I can't keep doing this and realize that you've been doing the work for two. Yeah. And it's the um, his lack of self-reflection starts to become me trying to do the self-reflection for him. Mm-hmm. and. And I'm just thinking, like, what would life be like if I only had to worry and reflect on my thinking and my emotions and not try to do it for someone else? Like, yeah, that's a good point and very true. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it would be like a weight off my shoulders to, you know, have a relationship with someone that had the ability to do that for themselves. Right. you know, right. Well, it's um, like you're trying to raise started, a child. What's that? It's like you're trying to raise a child, you know, yeah, a full grown adult. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So, for those out there listening to close this out, do you have anything that you would want to tell my audience? Um, uh, for the they're in the situations that they're in, they're listening to your words. Uh, what would you want to leave with them? Trust yourself and how you feel and what you think um, before anything else, before what they think or feel or need. Um, just really trust yourself and try to move in the direction that that leads you in. And that that's what I'm trying to do, too. Okay. Thank you so much for being here and for uh, taking time out of your day to share some of your story with this audience. Thank you so much. I enjoy your podcast. Thank you for doing this. You're so welcome. All right. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. You too. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at CNGLifeCoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G, as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.